got friends only want to talk business. I got expensive, because when is expensive. I got expensive, because when is expensive. I've been reading all the work. And I've been shutting out the stars. And welcome to Put That Coffee Down this week. Uh, this is the sell, Freight Sell Show for Closers. My name's Kevin Hill, here with Richie Daigle, as always. How are you doing this week, Richie? Doing well. Good it to is, have you back. I know. It's, it's good to be back. It's good to be back. I was a little under the weather last week, but this week we are going to be off and flying, talking about sales. We have Ryan Schreiber from Direct Carrier Direct coming on to join us here in a few minutes. Um, but yeah, we're going to talk about building carrier relationships. We're also going to be talking about efficient markets. What does that mean to you, Richie? Efficient markets. Is there such a thing? I don't think there is, but there's a theory about efficient markets, which is a good guideline for, for everything, for thinking about markets and, and freight markets being one of those highly liquid markets that is kind of like the stock market in a lot of ways. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting comparison. Um, and I think that there's some similarities and there's also some very key differences, right? Because in the stock market and finance, are you doing real work? Are you, is it the actual re real economy? Or are you just moving numbers and trying mm -hmm. to make numbers balance and imbalance and chase the alpha and all, the, all of these things? Whereas, hey, if you have a truck, you're moving freight, you're doing things that are creating real value. You're part mm -hmm. of the economy. You're part of the movement of goods and service, or yeah. uh, movement of goods. You're making those, those prices on paper go up and down and get traded around. Yeah, and there's some there's some differences there. So who's who's building value in the economy, and uh, you know who's. But yeah, there are some similarities, and, yeah. and uh, I think it's an interesting thing to. Well, let's start off with uh, talking about a company that is providing and building value in in the freight marketplace, and that's Surge Transportation. It's the fastest growing 3PL in the logistics space today, based in Chicago and Jacksonville. They offer unrestricted access to almost all accounts. Limitless territory and a chance to be a key player in a growing industry or a company. Uh, to find out more, email jobs at surgetransportation.com. That's jobs at S-U-R-G-E transportation.com. So reach out to them and, uh, and, and, and give them a shout and a holler out today. Uh, but yeah, we're going to talk about efficient markets. We're going to talk about the freight markets. Uh, and, and it's really interesting. I've, I've always been fascinated with the efficient market hypothesis. It kind of has a sales angle to it as well. Uh, it's, it's strange, and a lot of people go out and they talk about the free market and, and how the stock market is purely efficient or should be purely efficient, and they make a lot of mistakes because this is a hypothesis and nothing, nothing more. This does not exist in the real world. I, yeah. I can't think of any perfectly efficient market uh, for a number of different reasons. And there's a huge nuance between a more efficient market and an efficient market, right? Like yes. a perfectly balanced market and a more balanced market. Mm -hmm. Those are two wildly different things. And if you are chasing the perfect balanced market, the perfect efficient market, you're chasing that alpha, you're chasing the mirage that's down the road, you never get there. Right. And, and what are you doing in the, the you know, tumultuous journey to try to achieve this crazy you know, ends? Uh, it, it can end badly. I mean, you look back through history at people who chase this perfect idealistic uh, ends. Yeah, these utopias. And uh, it, history tells us it doesn't go that well. 
Yeah, I don't see any utopians around, so or <laughs> any utopia universes around. So I, I think they they probably crash and burn at some point, and that's the free and and completely free market, right? Mm-hmm. Or efficient market, it crashes and burns almost instantaneously. It's a financial theory in the, or a hypothesis, and that's all it is. Uh, and, and break it down. You mentioned alpha. Alpha is anything above beta, which means anything. Uh, say, let's say any benchmark, S and P five hundred. Uh, you're looking to earn a return above that. Beta is that benchmark. Alpha is anything you earn uh, above it. So you you hear this a lot in mutual funds, hedge funds, really the financial world. But the efficient market hypothesis states that share prices reflect all information and consistent alpha generation is impossible. That means that there's a perfect uh, information is, is distributed perfectly efficiently and both parties in any transaction have the same knowledge about what they're buying and selling. And Richie, I think we can both agree and all the salespeople out there that that is not the case whatsoever. No, not at all. And, you know, people know more about their business than people that are outside of that business. Mm -hmm. And as a salesperson, I know more about the product that I'm selling than the person that I'm speaking to for the first time about that product. And so you have to understand that going into any sort of a sales call that there is this, this gap in knowledge and there's this gap in understanding. And part of the sales process is building that bridge of trust where you can have open and clear communication to learn. You know, you want to learn about who that, that person is, that company that you're selling to. You want to know as much as you can about them. And they want to know as much as they can about your product. And you want to try to build that trust so that you can work towards a mutually beneficial relationship where all parties are, are uh, getting something out of it. You, you do. And it's, it's a good analogy is with cars, right? And, and there's a women law in economics as well that we'll discuss in the next couple of weeks because I, I love this one. It really reminds me of freight, but the efficient market hypothesis, you go into to trade in your car or you sell your car to somebody. You know exactly how it runs, what you had to fix, what's about to go out, mm-hmm. you know, how bad the tires are, um, any liens on the title. You know you have a really great information about the car you've been driving the last four or five years. The person you're selling it to doesn't really know anything. I mean, they're trying to investigate. They're trying to find out. On the flip side, you don't know why that other person wants to buy a car. You don't know what exactly they need. So it's asymmetrical information on both sides, and you want to combine those information flows in any sales transaction. You need to, to communicate what you're offering, but you have to also, whoever's the, the, the buyer, the, the, the prospect, the, the customer, you have to figure out what they value the most, right? And a sale is not going to be made until those information flows are as symmetric as possible. And that's not always perfect. There, there's no perfect symmetrical or, or, or you know, shared knowledge. But if, if you can balance that as evenly as possible, you're going to make sales. If it's not balanced, right, if you don't find anything out, out about your prospect or if you don't share any information, you have asymmetric information and transactions are very hard at that point. I want to take it one step further there, too, because I think that it's, you know, there's two different types of information that are existing here. You have the narrative, which is what's being spoken, the story that you're sharing. Yeah. And then you have reality. <laughs> this is the truth. And if I'm selling that car, I can give you a narrative 
that doesn't exactly line up with the real fact of the matter about the situation of that car. Are you saying the narrative is, is somehow inflated? It can be. Or and not I, completely accurate? Yeah. Uh, don't don't, and don't so burst my bubble. I think that when the gap between narrative, the narrative and reality is big, it might work out in the short term, but the long-term implications there are not yeah. promising. Whereas if you can make sure that your narrative is lining up and is truthful with what you know and is objective, I like to think maybe it's just me being an idealist here, but that it works out better in the long term as far as business. And we'll goes. talk a little bit more about efficient market uh, after the interview when we, we dive into a sonar chart. We can, we can show that there's a lot of asymmetries of information in the world of freight and logistics and someone else who knows all about this. They know those asymmetries very well is our guest here today, Ryan Schreiber. He's the Director of Engagement, or the equivalent, at Carrier Direct. How are you doing today, Ryan? You might be on mute. I think, yeah, I think Ryan's on mute. You know, it's, it's You're right, I was on mute. I know, it's at the bingo, right? <laughs> there we go. It's, it's the bingo yeah, I've, I've already got, I've got some t-shirts made that say, you're on mute. You know, it's just like the, but you're right. I know a lot about information asymmetry. First of all, I didn't know I was on mute. But second of all, I'm usually the one who doesn't know anything about anything. So, you know, everybody else has all the information and I'm just trying to figure it all out as I go. So that's a, it was a great lead in there by you, Kevin. I totally agree. <laughs> so uh, we're going to talk about carrier relationships, right? And, and I think that's that's one part of the, the equation that, you know, you can talk about your, your customers or shippers and asymmetries and in information about your products and services. It's just as important, if not even more important, uh, especially these days on the carrier side. You know, building those carrier relationships, finding out what's within their network, what's most efficient for your carrier partners will go a long way. Yeah, I mean, undeniably so. You really, you know, as an intermediary, all you sell is capacity and access to capacity, right? Everything else above that is gravy, to your point, right, earlier about the beta and the alpha, right? Mm -hmm. The beta is liquidity within your carrier network, and the alpha is everything else you do on top of that. And so, you know, one of the things that today in 2021 that's very different than it was three, four, five years ago is the amount of information that you really can get on your carriers and their operations to help you be better and bring better capacity to your customers and build liquidity within your carrier network and getting that uh, information um, symmetry a lot closer to perfect, right? Mm -hmm. And getting information that even maybe the carriers don't realize on their own operations can really set you apart. So it's definitely an important thing to consider these days. Do you feel like, uh, you know, information, specifically objective information, has the potential to be a reference point that can build more trust between carriers and, and broker partners? Yeah, I think that the, I, I like to, I'm really glad you made the point about objective information because uh, a lot of sort of the history of the information that we share between each other is subjective, right? I mean, as an intermediary, how many times have you been on the phone with a, with a carrier and they say, ah, I don't know about this load. And you say, don't look, I've never, had anybody complained about this load, everybody seems to like this load. Those aren't necessarily the same thing. Just because you've never heard anybody complain about it doesn't mean that they really liked the load, right? But a lot of the information that we've gathered and that we've shared historically has been subjective. And so making that change to more objective information that can be available 
uh, or that is available and that can be gathered and synthesized these days is a really important change. And absolutely, it can definitely change the environment of trust between carriers, brokers, and shippers, to be candid with you. So when we're talking about subjective and objective information uh, about carriers, I mean, what are some data points that are truly objective? I mean, we, we live in a, a you know, there's a lot of analogy-based information in, in trucking and logistics. There's a lot of sentiment-based. What are some of the objective uh, data points that you look for, Ryan? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, being able to measure the impact a carrier has on your operations as a broker is a really great start. And pretty much any broker can do that regardless of their sophistication. So, you know, little things beyond just like on-time percentage and bounce percentage, although those are absolutely table stakes that you need to be able to measure because they directly impact your cost to serve. But things like tracking compliance by carrier or by driver are things that can actually be really impactful um, for, uh, uh, like for, for impacts on your cost to serve. They can stop being an argument about. Uh, they can stop being an argument about whether we need tracking or whether we don't need tracking. It can really help you understand where you maybe need to move on from a carrier and which carriers are providing you the best service. And then tying that to your cost of service, I just mentioned a second ago, and making intelligent choices about which carriers to service your freight based on their impacts of your cost to serve, and paying a better rate to the carriers that can actually lower your cost to serve so that your overall spend on transportation and service actually remains the same or goes down. Yeah, it's great. And it, it makes me think about you know getting back to subjective information and some of these narratives that exist out in the marketplace that may be you know short-sighted. <laughs> and, and maybe there's people wanting to build out narratives uh, with a very aggressive goal in mind that may not have other people's intentions in mind. Are you trying to tell us, Richie, that, that freight brokers sometimes are short-term in their thinking about capturing margin? Uh, that's a, that's, you really a, that's a more succinct way of saying it. Okay. That's more straight and to the okay. point. Okay. I was okay, just right. trying to be nice. Well, it's not just, it's, it's, let's do that. <laughs> it's not just brokers, carriers. I mean, Richie, I think you're making a good point about, about subjective narratives, right? I mean, the reality is that neither brokers nor carriers have the critical density to be market makers, right? But each one points their finger at the other one for trying to get their share of the quote unquote pie at any given time, right? And it is, it, it is relatively short-sighted or it can be short-sighted. And a lot of that does go down to coming to the table with objective information and sharing that objective information you know, not not telling a story or or trying to sell someone on something, but actually sharing the information that you have, and and then really having what I would call professional empathy, which you're talking about, which is what's the other side of this transaction trying to get, right? Because as much as we want to talk about it not being transactional and being relationship based, everything still does come down to a transaction. That's one place where technology can really help, right? And em employing technology to allow the transaction to happen digitally, the match to happen digitally, and letting the humans invest in the things that they're best at, like relationship building, can help us move forward from the current state of brokers are taking all the money, carriers are just trying to like take advantage of us while they have the market, I can't wait for the pendulum to swing. So Richie, I think that's a really great point that you're making, that that we're all telling each other stories about the other side, and we're not really thinking about what's actually going on. 
So, so let's talk, let's talk about what's what's actually going on. Let's talk about objective uh, data and subjective data, and, and rolling that into a superior product. We were talking about alpha and beta uh, before the show. You mentioned alpha and beta. You know, beta is the benchmark, right? So, uh, the benchmark in in freight brokerage is that average industry margin per mode. You know, whether it's you know dry van, flatbed, refrigerated, it all differs. But you take that 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 benchmark margin and create value to get alpha, right? Create natural synergies to create that value instead of trying to um, extract it, right? You're, not, you're, you're, building, you're building the alpha, you're not trying to extract the alpha, which is very short-term, as Richie was talking about. Well, when, like, and I'm gonna be 100% honest with you, Kevin, that like my phone rang right in the middle of your narrative there, so I'm not 100% sure what your question was. But it's okay. I never know what my, my do you want me to repeat it? No, it's good because I also, even if you did repeat it, I also never know what your questions actually are. Sure. You know, as long as we've been <laughs> friends. But it's fine. But but Kevin, I think that your important point there about the the surplus and trying to hoard all the surplus is a really important one because when we when we actually look at the unit economics of carriers and brokers, there isn't a lot of free cash. Right. I mean, historically we are used to measuring as a broker. Revenue, cost of the truck, that's my gross profit. The overhead of a brokerage, when you think about sales and sales and uh, administrative labor, investments in technology as big ticket line items, mm -hmm. you know, the operating ratios of, of brokers that are scaling or at scale are, are relatively tight, right? They're 95 yes. or so operating ratios. There's not a lot of fat in there, right? Like a bro most brokers can't actually operate at a 10% margin on a spot freight for a substantial mm -hmm. amount of time. And so that's where what we should be focusing on is how do we increase that so that there's a surplus for us to do some interesting things with our business? Yeah. Can we pay more? Can we charge less? And can we still make the same amount of money or more? That's the things that like Uber Freight and Convoy are working on, but there are opportunities in other uh, areas to do that today for legacy brokers as well. And it's focusing on lowering your cost to serve, making better procurement decisions with better information, and then applying tools again to like increase your digital bookings and letting humans focus on what they need to focus on, hammering the phones or building relationships. And I think that, you know, shippers have to come in to the equation at some point. I mean, ultimately, they're, they're the ones injecting a lot of the money that are going that's going into the broker world as well as the carrier world. And, uh, you know, what are your thoughts on objective information that's being used for conversations between brokers and shippers and carriers and shippers to start building trust and, you know, assisting with keeping value, you know, rotating and, and moving around in the, the whole economy of freight? I think there's two things I would say here. The first is I reject the concept that you have to that you should build plans around anybody uh, controlling the outcomes of anybody else. It would be great if shippers or carriers or brokers would get on board with anything that would be better for any other side of that equation. But you can't bet on that. You need to build plans for your business that are things that you control. So as a carrier or a broker, making better decisions about who you work with and really understanding the cost implications of working with one you know, one in, uh, one intermediary versus the other, one carrier versus the other, one shipper versus the other. And so I think at, at, a, at a base level, 
like I, I keep talking about focusing on our cost to serve here. As a as an intermediary, you can control your cost to serve. And that's what you should focus on. You shouldn't focus on trying to get your customers to send you tenders sooner or what have you. Those are long form conversations and they're great to have. But if you build plans around assuming that's going to come to the table, then you're setting yourself up to fail, right? Because you don't control the outcome of those things. Now, to your point about um, you know how do we get how do, how do we get people on ball? That comes down to better selection of partners. And at some point, if a shipper has a negative implication uh, on your cost to serve high enough, or they're having as, an, enough of a negative imp- impact on your uh, ability to work with your partner carriers, you have to walk away from those because it's not about revenue, it's about profit. You aren't running a charity, right? And so if, if, you, if you aren't measuring the impact that a shipper or a carrier has on your bottom line so that you can make the best decisions to walk away from those relationships, then you're doing yourself a disservice. So again, it comes back to kind of controlling what you can because there are a lot of accounts that look really sexy from a revenue perspective or they look really sexy from uh, uh, a cost to the truck perspective that at the end of the day are costing you money to actually work with them dollar for dollar when you when you apply a cost to serve analysis. Right. So, so I'm sorry to totally reject that from you, Richie, but you know. No, no, it's 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 yeah. great. And, uh, and I know we only have a few minutes left, but I think you bring up a lot of good points. And uh, yeah, I mean, we, I think that we could go for a long time in that direction. But I, I think it is important to, to, to understand what you can control 100% and then also understand where you can better your probabilities and the things that you can't control 100%. And, and mm-hmm. there's a lot to be said in, in regards to that. But the, there is. So, so and that's why, why. Oh, go ahead. No, you go. You go, Kay. Okay, I I will. I I will go. I will go because I have a really good question for you, if you understand it. (laughs) I'll be the judge of that. (laughs) So so we we have our audiences full of a lot of uh, small, medium-sized brokers, right? They're not tech shops. So if there is one thing that, that you really should be measuring when it comes to your cost to serve and that anyone can implement tomorrow to do, to, to see results, what would it be? Yeah, the number one place to focus on cost to serve is 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 um, carrier reuse and also tracking compliance. You know, it costs a a, a broker about um, thirty five dollars to match a shipment on average, thirty seven dollars, and it costs a broker about twenty dollars to onboard a carrier for the first time and take them all the way through payment. Those are really expensive mm-hmm. propositions, right? Tracking costs a broker usually around like seven to twelve dollars per shipment, depending on how how much you're, you're doing tracking. So that's some really low hanging fruit stuff. If you can find, to, you know, working with tools to the extent that you can make those investments that can automate some of your matches um, or that can um, uh, uh, get digital tracking on board. Those are really, really important things, but just upping your carrier reuse, right? So that mm-hmm. you're lowering, you're starting to lower your cost per match by reusing your carriers. You're starting to lower your carrier onboarding expense by reusing carriers. Your back office becomes more efficient. It takes a lot less time to do ARAP 
because the carriers learned how to look, your carriers learn to work with you. Those are some really, really low hanging fruit things that if you're a smaller, medium sized broker can really make a difference. And that can be just one hire of somebody who's a relatively low cost employee, just following up with carriers after delivery of their first load and asking them about the shipment. Hey, what did you like? What didn't you like? What worked? What didn't work? So that you have a better understanding of which carriers you should be reworking, which carriers you shouldn't. And also the things you don't know about your loads that take it from subjective to objective information that you can then be sharing in the future with partner carriers about those shipments. And right, I've done this. I know you've done that. Uh, anyone who has uh, sat by a fax machine waiting for a carrier packet to come in or made 100 calls trying to uh, try, trying to impress a customer and, and do a $50 load. Um, yeah, yeah you, you know that, that reusing and having a stable of carriers and, and those reuse is immensely valuable and it's hard to, to gauge sometimes exactly how valuable it is, but it's one of the, 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 the easiest things to do to, to lower your cost of serve. I want to thank you for coming on the show today. And uh, hey, it's always a guys. pleasure. Yeah, well, we'll have you on again soon. Yeah. And uh, you can check uh, Ryan Schreiber that out. That sounds more like a threat than a promise, but yeah, I appreciate it. It's always it. a threat. <laughs> it is always a threat for you. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Take guys. Care. Take care. Take care, dude. Uh, always fun talking with Ryan. Always. Good yeah. conversation. So Good let's conversation. talk about Sonar now. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I like to think that Sonar is an objective source of information. It is. It's and an objective. That, you know, we're, we're, we're not a broker. We're not a carrier. We're not a shipper. Uh, the information is just here's what we're seeing in the marketplace, and it's a that, good example of symmetries yeah. in, in information as they play out. And I think we have a chart that we'll throw up, and it's it's a this is a know, basic a chart. And I, I think yeah, this is this is a classic. You know, we have outbound full truckload tender volumes uh, reflected in the blue line, and our tender rejections at the national level reflected in the orange line. Um, and the reason why I, I picked this chart is I think that there's something interesting that's happening right now. We basically see with that blue line where it's a ceiling. You know, if we take out the holidays and some of the, the smaller dips and, you know, abnormalities and whatnot, it's pretty flat. This is the amount of volume that the, the country is capable of handling. And we've been bumping up on that ceiling for some time now. Uh, mm -hmm. rejections were quite elevated and following that up until recently. And now we're starting to see tenor rejections come back down. And I know that there's a lot of theories on why that is, but at a broad level and without getting too deep into it, I think what this is signaling, and I'd like to get your thoughts on it as well, is sure. that maybe the, the current market conditions, everyone's coming around to the idea that this is here to stay for a while. And this may be the new normal and, uh, a resetting of the industry, so to speak. Uh, this is a good, good uh, narrative. It is <laughs> a really good narrative. I, I will say that uh, whenever someone says new normal, I, I kind of, uh, I, I just, it, it, it ekes me out a little yep, bit. Yeah, that's right? fair. Because I've heard it so much in my life, a new normal, and, and, and the laws of economics and the principles always remain. So we yep. are in a very tight environment. It is very disruptive. It, it could go all the way through 2022. But is this a resetting of, of everything? I don't think so, because I, you have inflation running wild. 
You have, uh, you know, imports running wild. There is probably going to be a resetting back to more normal, uh, more normal uh, service-based economy mm-hmm. that, that we haven't seen over the last 15 to, to 18 months. And things are, people are going to adapt, right? So you can say, we, we can't find enough drivers right now. Well, someone's going to figure out a way to bring more drivers into the industry if this is a new normal but the, the market dynamics will always go back to equilibrium at some point in the future. And that could be two years or five years or, or I guess if it's 30 years, it's a new normal, right? <laughs> uh, but I would say in the next couple of years, uh, everything will reset and we will probably find a floor. I, again, trucking is just cyclical. It is it just is. the nature of the beast. It is. And, but, but I think uh, there's a lot. And I know we only have a few seconds here, but it will be curious to see how things play out. Because I think a lot of the variables in the equation are different now. And uh, we'll, we'll see. It's, we'll see. It's something to keep mindful of. One, 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 one thing, though, is that if you're a carrier, broker, or shipper, having information like Sonar that's purely objective yes. can do wonders for building that trust and uh, hey, you know, helping things work out. If you want out. to build symmetry of information about the market, Sonar is your tool. Yep. I will leave you with that. Um, put that copy down. Uh, tomorrow is the Cold Chain Summit, 9 a.m. Eastern Time, sharp. So join us there. I got friends only want to talk business. I got expensive because when is expensive. I got expensive because when is expensive. I've been reading out of water. And I've been shutting out the stars. Yes, but when it rains and it pours.